At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition, special live at the Broward County Youth Climate Summit, the third annual. So delighted to be a part of that. I've got with me my co-host, Chuck. Nice, Chuck. Hey, Neil. So obviously, while I know a little bit about climate, I don't know anything near who we've got here as guests. Yeah. Uh, A very important addition to this, because for Cosmic Queries, we want to make sure we have the right expertise at the right time at the right place, which is now. I've got Gavin Schmidt. Gavin, welcome back to Star Talk. Hi, Neil. Chuck, nice to be back. Hey, Gavin. Excellent. And, and, and you recently became, seen, uh, in addition to being director of the Goddard Institute for Space Studies, which is a, 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 a NASA satellite office in Manhattan. Many people don't know about that one. Yep. Um, they know about Kennedy Space Center and, and Houston. But uh, we've got a little pocket of NASA in New York City, and you're there as our neighbors. So good to know that. But you're also elevated, or, or it's, it's just a promotion, I guess, to senior advisor on climate to NASA. So wow. it's nice to know that such a position exists. Well, well it does now, yes. <laughs> it does, it does it's now. Brand new. And it's, yes. it's, it's, it's not good enough just to research on climate. This stuff has to get communicated. Yes. And if you're an advisor to NASA, and NASA is a hugely public entity in our lives, not only domestically, but in the world, um, you've got a really key place there. And uh, let me just lead off. Before we get to the questions that I know Chuck has collected, because that's the the, the, the DNA of this format is questions from you, from, from the public, coming back to get answered uh, in our Star Talkian way. But let me just ask you, uh, Gavin, uh, sh- should we not be surprised that this Youth Climate Summit is being organized in Florida uh, and not Colorado or one of the mountain states? <laughs> if you could tell us what, what well. special relationship... Florida has with climate change? Well, you know, Florida is is ground zero for uh, the impacts of uh, things like sea level rise, uh, coastal flooding, um, greater intensity of hurricanes. Uh, And so, you know, we're seeing we're seeing changes in the the temperature of the sea uh, around uh, Florida. We're seeing changes in the storm climate um, and and we're seeing sea level rise. And uh, and that puts Florida very much at the uh, a, a grand zero for uh, the really acute impacts of climate change that's happening now, uh, not least uh, the things that may be happening in the future. You know, I, I remember seeing, was it not last year, but perhaps the year before, uh, there was one, a satellite photo of hurricanes all lined up ready to slam into Florida. It was like, okay, your turn. It was like they were lining up at the deli, right? And I, I just have no memory of seeing such, um, such persistence of yeah. assault. Yeah, I mean, 20, 2020 was a very bad year for hurricanes. A very, very active uh, Atlantic season. 2005 was was uh, was a really big year too, um, and uh, that's not what you expect every year, thankfully. But uh, we are seeing we are seeing trends in uh, you know Caribbean hurricanes. We're seeing more those, those are being more frequent. They're they're more intense when they arise. We're seeing increases in you know Cat three, four, five uh, hurricanes, and we think that that's being fueled by the warmer temperatures in the tropical Atlantic uh, and, and places. So yeah, so it's uh, that was very that, that was very sobering. Well, Chuck, did you hear he's on a first name basis with the hurricane 
uh, level. Yes, cat, 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 cat five. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, one last thing before we run over to Chuck and get some questions that have been co- pre-collected. Last year, uh, 2020, I heard there was like Hurricane Alpha, and I thought to myself, Alpha. Did we run out of letters of the alphabet to name these four weeks? We're starting to use the Greek alphabet. So what's up with that? I didn't know that was in, in the, in that, the regula- rules exactly and regulations. That's right. Yeah, so the, the National Weather Service uh, has a list of uh, pre-approved names, and they have it for, out, I think, out for another five years. Uh, it does, it's not every letter of the alphabet, but I think it's, it's 20, 23 names. I, that might not be quite right. But once you run out of those, then you start doing these, these Greek alphabets. Uh, alpha, beta, uh, gamma, delta, uh, epsilon. I mean, uh, and so when you're seeing uh, Hurricane Alpha, you you know it's been a bad season. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And now, why only 23 uh, of the letters? I mean, uh, what names did they omit that are just so awful? <laughs> so so th- th- there's, there's never been a Hurricane Xavier. So no Xs. No yeah, X. So there's no, no, there's no Xs. Okay. I'm looking forward to Hurricane Yvonne. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, gotta, you need to modernize the name. Yeah, right? exactly. Oh, they, so and you know, that, they, me... they do modernize the names. I mean, so it used to be all very Anglo names, you know, right. Arthur and Charlie, and and now they're right. also taking names from a from a broader cultural background. So, uh, see, but is that uh, is that a good or a bad thing? In a way, it's a good thing because it means that we're recognizing that there's cultural diversity. But in a way, it's a bad thing because you're being named after a hurricane. Yeah, it's like, you know, I don't want to, I don't, you know, in a way, it's like, oh, Hurricane it's kind of, Chuck. Right. Batters the seaboard. Hur- hurricane Rasaniqua. Like, you know. <laughs> and then what if it's like the worst hurricane ever and it's like a black name? You know what I mean? Just like, oh, of course, Hurricane LaDamian got to be the worst hurricane ever. Like... <laughs> <laughs> all right, so Chuck, let's 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 do this. Chuck. All right, let's just jump into what it. What do you have, have for us? Uh, of course, all these uh, questions come from the students of uh, Broward County, and uh, I uh, I think let's start with Aiden M. And uh, let me see here, Aiden. Oh my goodness, Trade Winds. What do you have, Aiden's great grade? And what school? He is in I mean, grade five at Trade out? Winds Elementary. So, okay. uh, and he says this. It's a great question. Who first noticed global warming? Which is a great question because people may think it's a relatively new phenomenon. Uh, so, uh, so the answer to that is actually actually goes back a, a, a long time. Uh, there was a guy called Calendar, interestingly enough, in the 1930s, uh, who was the first person to uh, put together a time series of temperatures. Um, and with his knowledge of what happens in the atmosphere and the, and the important role of, of, uh, of carbon dioxide, uh, he had hypothesized that he should be able to see uh, a trend. And he was working in the, in the kind of mid-30s, uh, so kind of 1938, I think. Uh, and, and he put together this, uh, this data set, which uh, was, was pretty sparse, but it was enough to see that, that indeed the temperatures had changed from the, the beginning of the, of the 20th century, so about 1900 through to 1930. Um, and he said, uh, yes, oh, look, it seems to be getting warmer. And this is something that we expect to happen because the physics of this had been worked out in the Victorian era, in the, in the 19th century. So, and people knew that we were burning a lot of coal, we were burning a lot of oil, and we were expecting things to happen, and happen they did. But yeah, no, it was in the, it was in the 1930s that people uh, started to notice uh, what was going on. And then we ignored it for, for another 30 years. But, uh, but yeah, 1930s. <laughs> and that's working out great, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, how's like, that working out for you? Yeah, it's like 1930s. We find out that we are indeed warming the planet, and we go, eh, we'll get to it at some point. <laughs> but I want to drive my car. Right. There you go. Wow. Forget oh, about man. the Earth. I want to drive my car. But of course, if there is no Earth, you can't drive your car. So people got to work out the causes and effects of your desires there. All right, Chuck, what else you got for me? All right, let's keep moving. And um, let's go to Camila B., who is at sixth grade in Indian Ridge Middle School. Hello, Camilla. And Camilla asked this, how fast are glaciers and icebergs melting? 
Camilla has a sense of urgency. She's like, look, I need to know what is going down. Because <laughs> I'm here in Florida, and I need to know <laughs> if I should move. So, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you've heard the phrase, right, glacially slow, right, to mean something really moving so slowly that you can't even see what's going on. Well, glacially slow does not mean what it used to mean. Right, so glaciers are in fact, moving. In fact, Gavin, I haven't heard I haven't heard that term used in that way in at least ten years. Oh, it's, it's oh, well. moving at a glacial pace. <laughs> no one says that anymore. Yeah, that's, that's amazing because yeah. we know deep down we are moving those puppies and we melting are. them down. Okay, go on. I'm sorry, uh, I interrupted. No, no, yeah. that, that's fine. I mean, you're right. Nobody says glacially slow anymore because the glaciers are really moving quite fast. Uh, what what we do uh, at NASA is that we can keep track of how much water and ice there is on on Greenland or in Antarctica. And we have we have these records that they're measuring the gravity of the planet. And uh, and when the ice uh, melts, then the gravity goes down a little bit. And we can we can track that from space, which is pretty Im- impressive, quite frankly. Wait, wait, just to be clear, Gavin, Gavin, we know the gravity of Earth as a as a collective body. When you say NASA's measuring gravity, you mean they're measuring the difference in gravity from one part of Earth's surface to the other. Isn't that what you're you're talking yeah, about? And, and over so that, time, so that if as well. more mass is one, in one place than another, it's going to have slightly extra gravity there rather than here. That's right. right? So, so there's more gravity above a mountain than there is over the ocean, uh, and there's more gravity above a big ice sheet than over a little ice sheet. And so, as the ice sheets shrink, uh, then the gravity goes down a little bit, and you can calculate how much mass has disappeared from the ice and has gone into the ocean. Um, and so we, we keep track of that, and, uh, and we can measure, uh, for instance, the, uh, the loss of mass from, from Greenland. It's about 250 gigatons of water every year is, is leaving Greenland. And it's about 150 gigatons of water every year that's leaving uh, uh, Antarctica, mostly from the Antarctic Peninsula and West Antarctica, which is the, the bit which is, if you go all the way down uh, through South America to the, the bit that sticks out, that's the peninsula, and then the bit just to the side of that is uh, West Antarctica. So most of the mass Wait, so gig- giga, giga is gigatons. No, giga, giga, giga is, tons. Is, ten, is ten to the nine. Wow, billion tons. Yes, two, so, two, two, two hundred fifty billion tons. That's right. Every every year, every year, every year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of water, and 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 that water is so that's fresh water going into salt water. Yeah, that can't yeah. be so, good, So that's right? fresh water from the land that's going into the ocean, and it raises sea level. It gets, it does get spread out mostly evenly um, around okay. the ocean, uh, and that's adding uh, about a millimeter per year in global sea level. And the uh, the total amount of sea level is is made up of that uh, plus plus changes in mountain glaciers. They're they're melting quite quickly, and then the warming of the ocean itself uh, is also causing the, the the sea level to rise. So the, the the sea level rise right now is about just over three millimeters a year, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it's been uh, it's been about a foot uh, around uh, around Florida in the last in the last sixty to hundred years, I'd say. And what I, what I try to tell people is if you fill a glass completely with water and then add three millimeters, 100% of what you added spills. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just, just let's, let's understand that. Um, and also, uh, there's another issue here, right, where if you're adding fresh water at large rates to salt water, that changes the sort of the circulation patterns and the sea level yes. mix that... Yes previously relied and evolved on a, was what was a stable uh, a salt mixture. Is that, is that correct? Right. So, uh, so the changes in freshwater, uh, so, so freshwater is lighter than salt water, so it tends to sit on the top, at least to start with, before it gets mixed down. Uh, that changes how easy it is for, for heat to get into the ocean, for carbon to get into the ocean. And so one of the things that we've seen uh, in the oceans as things have warmed up and we've got this extra freshwater is that it's becoming harder to get things down into the ocean, and that's heat and carbon. And so that's actually adding to the temperatures in the atmosphere. It's adding to the carbon in the atmosphere. Uh, and so it's actually, uh, that, that's not a good news. That's not good news either. Man, man, okay. Wow. All right, Chuck, keep them, keep them coming, Chuck. 
Yeah, this is just going to get more and more depressing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> you better have something positive to say at the end of this. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Otherwise, I'll, I'll it's the, last, the last time we're inviting you on something like this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to uh, let's go to Maya E. And Maya E. is in grade five at Trade Winds. Hi, Maya. And she says, what can we do as kids? to slow down the global warming process. So here's something that's uh, a little more encouraging and, yeah, and uh, hopeful. You got to remember that you're not just a kid, right? You are uh, a, a, a son or a daughter. You are a classmate. You are an advocate. You are uh, a consumer. But you're, you're all of these things. And one of the most impressive things that's happened over the last couple of years uh, related to climate is, is the outpouring of activity and concern from from youth climate leaders like Greta Thunberg and and Alex Villasenor uh, in the US who have kind of taken this and really pushed it they pushed it to you know the the top tables to the UN to to government decision makers and and made it very very clear that it's not okay just to sit around and not do anything. It's it's not okay uh, to know that this is a crisis and and not act in a commensurate way. Um, and there's been an enormous amount of, you know, truly authentic, you know, concerns about about your future. I mean, speaking speaking to the youth. I mean, not so much my future, but your future. You know, this is going to be the issue of your entire lives. It's it's not going to go away next year. It's not going to go away in 10 years' time. Uh, it's going to be a very, very real issue for, for all of that time. And, and your role as as somebody, as, as people who can, who can get the grown-ups and the decision-makers to act in your interests is really very important. So, so yes, I mean, you can encourage you know, local recycling. You can encourage uh, renewable energy. You can encourage your school to uh, to have a you know a zero waste cafeteria. All of these things are good uh, and positive steps. What you're saying, Gavin, is that even if someone in middle school does not have power of title or power of of, of any other sort of high ranking official, uh, you have the power that you have social and cultural power. Mm-hmm. Because if you're if you're 12 years old and you write a letter to the editor of the local paper that you're concerned, I bet they're going to publish it. And so you can have influence beyond title. Yep. Because because when if if the 10 year olds start worrying about how the adults are messing up the environment, that's something to take notice of. Yeah. And so oh, oh yeah. yeah. It yeah. makes and it makes the the adults feel bad. And uh, you know what? Kids should make adults feel bad because they have something to feel bad about. Start (laughs) guilting your parents, kids. Start (laughs) guilting your parents. Mom, dad, you don't love me. You don't love me. Look at what you're doing. Look at what you're doing to the planet, mom, dad. You don't love me. You guys suck. You suck. Grown up suck. Grown up suck. (laughs) No, that'd be less productive, I think. Yeah. By the way, Chuck has. Chuck has three kids. What are the ages of your kids, Chuck? Uh, I have a 20-year-old, and then I have a 14-year-old, and then I have a 7-year-old because I'm an idiot. Um, No. uh, (laughs) No, I have... uh, So, And I do have three children, and um, I try my... Do you get all three different perspectives there at those different ages? It's great to see because, believe it or not, the 20-year-old is concerned about climate, but not as much as the 14-year-old. And the seven-year-old is a full-blown activist. So, <laughs> it's, I mean, you know, when I see these questions from middle schoolers, I think it's fantastic that they are already keyed in on this as a true issue of concern. So, yep. it's fantastic. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% 
of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. I'm Joel Cherico, and I make pottery. You can see my pottery on my website, CosmicMugs.com. Cosmic Mugs, art that lets you taste the universe every day. And I support Star Talk on Patreon. This is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Welcome back to Star Talk. This episode is from a virtual live stream Cosmic Queries with the Broward County Youth Climate Summit in Florida. And we've been talking about the science of climate change with my co-host Chuck Nice and our special guest climatologist, Gavin Schmidt. And we've been answering questions from the students themselves about the future of this climate crisis in which we find ourselves. So let's get right back to it. All right, Chuck, keep it All coming. Right, let's keep going now. Just If you've just joined us, probably you should have been there from the beginning, <laughs> but if you just joined us, we are at the Broward County Youth Climate Summit, third annual, and we're talking to Floridians about climate. And we've got with me Gavin Schmidt, Senior Advisor to NASA on Climate and Director the Goddard Institute for Space Studies. I didn't say at the beginning, but Goddard, it's abbreviated GIS, and GIS specializes in, in, in many things, but especially climate on planets, what, is, what the atmosphere is doing, what the environment around, what, you know, solar heating, cooling within the atmospheres, turbulence, all of this. So Earth as just another planet can give you a cosmic perspective on the things that can go wrong <laughs> on a, in a planetary atmosphere. Right. Right? And so, so, Gavin, tell me two planets where stuff really went wrong in the past. <laughs> so that was, that was, that's an easy one. Uh, so you've got Venus and you've got Mars. Uh, so uh, Venus... Uh, one, actually, one is to our left, and the other is to our right. They're right. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're adjacent to us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so uh, Venus uh, may well have been the first habitable planet in the solar system, uh, and for a long time, for about a billion years, uh, may have been uh, able to maintain water at the surface. Uh, but as the sun got brighter over time, it, you know, it, it, and it's still getting a little bit brighter, the oceans uh, evaporated, the hydrogen was lost, and uh, and it's turned into a, a hellhole where uh, lead will melt on the surface. Gavin, I did the calculation. Yes, it can melt lead, fine. But you could cook a 16-inch pepperoni pizza on your windowsill in three seconds. So that's that's the, that, well, that's an advantage. You see, there's a there's a silver lining to this yeah, high temperature. Exactly. Yes. Except <laughs> that you, you, yeah, your charred remains will have a delicious meal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> you be vaporized and, too, but ignoring that complication, <laughs> it would be an awesome pizza yes. oven. That's all but, I'm saying. But like I said, it, it might have been the first habitable place in the uh, in the solar system for about uh, for about a billion years. So, so some some bad happened on Venus. Ba Something, something bad. bad happened yeah. on Venus. Yeah. All right. Now, how about Mars? Now, Mars. Uh, now we we you know we see evidence for water on Mars, and uh, and so we think that uh, at some point Mars. Uh, a little bit more recently than than Venus was uh, was habitable. There was there was sufficient water on the surface to uh, to, to have running water, and so we're trying to work out uh, what combination of of atmospheric uh, composition could have could have led to that. But uh, that is long in the past, you know. And now, obviously, uh, Mars is extremely dry. Uh, it's lost whatever. I mean, it still has some uh, atmosphere, but it's it's it lost. Uh, a lot of its atmosphere, it lost a lot of its water, um, and now is, uh, is is does not have very much of a greenhouse effect, and is very cold, and uh, uh, has pretty sunsets, and <laughs> you would be hard pressed to cook a pepperoni pizza at any time uh, right now on Mars. Okay, so Mars doesn't have any running water anymore, but it once did, but it has pretty sunsets. So Chuck, there's it. So those are the two reasons: one to go to Venus and one to go to Mars. There you go. Get a pretty sunset. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> That's right. So I, you know, no air, but God, the views. <laughs> the views are beautiful. The views are gorgeous. Okay. <laughs> can't can't breathe, but enjoy those views. All right. Okay. Here we go. Let's uh, keep them coming. I love this question from Sierra E. And Sierra E is in the ninth grade at Coral Springs High School. And Sierra is not playing around. She wants to know this. What kind of jobs are there for people interested in climate and climate studies? Sierra, I don't, let me just say, Sierra, I'm already proud of you, okay? You're not only looking to solve the existential crisis that faces all of mankind, but you're like, how do I make some money off of this? <laughs> I love you, Sierra. That's the way to think. <laughs> so there's some there's some great uh, there's some great opportunities. Um, so the the kinds of tech jobs uh, that are going to be important are things like smart grid technology, storage technology, uh, renewables, uh, all of those things that are going to be growing uh, enormously uh, in the in energy the storage. Energy storage. When you say yes. storage, energy storage. Okay. Um, and All then right. you've got, uh, you know, the adaptation part of it. You know, how do you uh, help cities and agriculture uh, plan for the changes to come? You know, there's there's a lot of uh, social science issues there. There's a lot of politi politics involved there. Um, but without those people, like all the technology in the world doesn't help us, right? Things need to be deployed. Uh, things need to be used. Th you know, what, what is it? How is that change going to happen? And uh, the people that are making that change or helping enable that change, uh, they're going to be the most important people around. And th those aren't necessarily STEM jobs that, you know, they could be public service, they could be urban planning uh, they could be uh, you know people who are interested in in sewage and septic tanks and like dealing with the legacy of what we've built now and the infrastructure that's in uh, uh, that's that's in peril right now and how to make it resilient and, and how to deal with the problems that are going to come yeah Gavin that's a brilliant brilliant answer there and I had not fully grokked how interdisciplinary climate science in our society would be because right you said you got you need the scientist you're among them you need the policy people you're among mm -hmm. them but but it, a cool invention that pulls us off of fossil fuels into other forms of energy that would be industry but then you still have to deploy it so you get the politics i love it everybody can get a piece of that pie it's a, it's a problem that affects every single area of our lives which means that if you think of it in terms of systems change then whatever you do in life, if you relate it to climate, there is an application. So, and by the way, I go. have not fully grokked the word grokked. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> it's a geek word, and I, I, I forgot what its origin is. Robert but if Heinlein. you look it up, 
Yeah, Robert Heinlein, thank okay. you. Uh, it comes from science fiction. And it's spelled G-R-O-K. G-R-O-K. And it has to do with wrapping your head around an issue or a problem and coming to terms with it within yourself. There you go. Possibly then being able to do something about it. Am I good there? Did I get that right, Gavin? I think so. I'm trying to remember the book in which it first appeared. Um, it might have been mm-hmm. The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, but, uh, but I, I, I forget the okay. details. But it was, it was very big mm-hmm. in the 1960s and 70s. Yeah. So, well, there you, know, you go, kids. For, for, this for is, the youth among us, that's, that's where it comes from. This is when you know that you're in the secret astrophysics club, when you can actually <laughs> use the word grok. And then know its freaking origins. <laughs> this is you're seeing the secret geek speak that these scientists have with one another. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, someone, someone, look that up. Where, which book did it come from? Uh, Live long Live, and prosper. Yes. Right. Okay, Thank good. you for bringing it back down to my level. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Sean D, who has. A, a very sobering question. He's at grade six at um, Margate Middle School. Uh, and Sean D. wants to know this. What do you fear will happen in the future if we take no action? All right. So there goes, Gavin. Give us the <laughs> apocalyptic scenarios. Wait, wait, let me. I'll start off. I'll start off. I'll start off and I'll hand off to you. The Broward County Youth Climate Summit in 20 years will be held underwater. <laughs> yeah, it's not, that's not funny. <laughs> I know, I know. Okay, I'm sorry. What was funny know, was okay. you say, hey, hey, that's not funny. <laughs> that was funny. Um, okay, go on. I mean, no, so, I mean, like, if, 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 we, if we don't rise to this moment, then the sea will rise to this moment. Oh, wow. You know, if 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 we don't, there's a bumper sticker. I'll tell you right now. That's a T-shirt. That's a T-shirt. That's that's a T-shirt. A bumper sticker. A meme. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wait, wait. Say that again, so we can get we can get a meme shot. <laughs> yeah. Like right yeah, there. Exactly. I'm gonna get a screenshot. Okay. Go. Say it again. If we don't rise to this moment, the seas will rise to this moment. Wow. Boom. Oh, that's now, beautiful. Um, Mic drop. Boom. We're done here. We're done. <laughs> No, but, I mean, but you know this. This is a, this is a serious question. I mean, like the 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 worst case scenarios that that we've plotted out. You know, if we go, if we don't do anything, we just like we just we just burn all of the fossil fuels that we can. We burn all of the coal, all of the oil, the methane hydrates, the uh, the tar sands, the oil shales, all of the rest of it. Uh, we we could have an impact on this planet that has not been seen in in tens of millions of years. Maybe maybe even maybe even longer. Uh, the, the Anthropocene, the, the period that we're now creating, uh, would be so far out of like the normal bounds of, of, of climate variability that, quite frankly, we don't even know what kind of a planet that would be. Right? We're talking about, you know, if you, uh, something more recent, like the, the, the last ice age, right, which was only 20,000 years ago, and, and that was caused by, you know, uh, wobbles in the Earth's orbit. Uh, that was about yeah, eight to nine degrees Fahrenheit cooler than today, right? The worst case scenarios, if we just don't do anything and, and burn everything that we can find, uh, that's about eight to nine degrees Fahrenheit warmer than where we are now. Right. And the last ice age, think about that, you know, uh, massive ice sheets across the whole of North America, mammoths and uh, a very, very different planet. And, and then kind of like flip that and say, well, well, what kind of planet would it be if it was that much warmer? And we, we don't know. We don't know what kind of planet that would be. Uh, it would be one that, uh, that we and our current society would be would be in trouble. Like we have so much stuff next to the coasts. We have so many expectations. You know, our agriculture, you know, where we grow things, how we grow things depends on the climate where we are. If things shift such a degree, then all of those anticipations, all of those expectations are, are worthless. Uh, wait, wait, and so, wait, Gavin, you said we have so much stuff near the coast. Yeah, You're talking like about New York. cities. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, yeah. Cities I mean, New York and harbors and, you know, how... You know, our world is a connected world. You know, we move things Miami. around. Miami. 
mm-hmm. Miami, like, but Shanghai and Calcutta and Bombay, Mumbai, uh, you know, Shenzhen, London, Paris, uh, all of these places are actually very close to the coasts. And, uh, you know, and if you think that, uh, you know, our heritage... Uh, such as it is, should be worth preserving, then, you know, not doing anything about climate change is not the way to maintain that. Mm. So now, um, as we talk about the loss of these coastal cities, is is there a way to target climate change so that we could just take out a few places that perhaps that we don't want around anymore? <laughs> I'm joking, Gavin. That's a joke. <laughs> Did you see his face, Neil? It, it he had like... a sign with a said joke on it. Then I, then I would know. <laughs> At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. All right, let's give a Patreon shout-out to the following Patreon patrons. Jason Jost, Ava Spur, and Andrew Kadama. Guys, thank you so much for your gravity assist as we make our way around the cosmos. We appreciate your help. And for anyone else who would like their very own Patreon shout-out, please go to patreon.com slash Radio and support us. Welcome back to Star Talk. This episode is from a virtual live stream cosmic queries with the Broward County Youth Climate Summit. That's Broward County, Florida. We've been talking about the science of climate change. I've got my co-host Chuck Nice and our special guest, climatologist Gavin Schmidt. And we've been answering questions from the students themselves about the future of the climate crisis. So... Let's get back to it. All right, so let's um, let's go to Natalia P. She's in eleventh grade over at West Broward High School, and um, she's looking at this from a policy standpoint. What are some laws that could be enacted in order to slow down climate change? So, is there anything that we can do that we should ask our governments to do? To take right. us out so, of this. Yeah, so I'm I'm part of the government, so I have to be a little bit careful here. Uh, so you know, I can give my my personal opinion. Obviously, you know, NASA doesn't really have much of an impact on uh, on, on laws and policy directly. But you know, but my personal uh, view is that you know we, there are laws that that exist that that are pushing us in the right direction. Uh, things like renewable standards uh, for uh, for electricity. Uh, things like um, uh, you know encouraging uh, electric vehicles. 
vehicles uh, over uh, internal combustion vehicles. Um, a price on carbon uh, is something that nudges everything in in the right direction, so that you uh, that you actually pay for the pollution that you put into the atmosphere. These things are, are difficult to enact, uh, and uh, you know, and there's a lot of politics uh, behind what actually does get enacted. But even like even things that you think might be trivial, like building codes. You know, you you can do a lot with uh, improving building codes so that they take account of not just the climate changes that you've had, but the climate changes that we're going to have. Uh, we can we can make uh, rules that make buildings use less energy and are made with more uh, resilient structures. I mean, so so we we can both legislate to improve resilience um, and to reduce energy wastage. Uh, so, you know, laws on standards for refrigerators, you know, I mean, the fact that we've had more efficient refrigerators for, for the last uh, 50 years has saved an enormous number of uh, power stations from ever being built, right? So, uh, so efficiency gains can be helped, like the cafe standards, uh, where they're looking at the, at the miles per gallon of the, of the vehicle fleet. All of those things are, are pushing us in the right direction. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, that's hopeful. That is hopeful. Very Good nice. stuff. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. All right, mm-hmm. let's... Um, Alessandra. Oh, by the go way, so, so West Broward High School? Yeah. So go Bobcats. Oh, right on. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Why well, know that? I don't know, but go Bobcats. All right, go ahead. Alessandra M. Uh, is a fifth grader at Trade Winds Elementary School. And she's got a good question about what, what does global warming have to do with severe weather events like storms and heat waves, droughts, and hurricanes? So that, that I, I love that because because Gavin, I mean, think about it. If you just if you're just thinking, all right, it's one degree warmer in the world. The, the temperature fluctuates so much more than that from between day and night. Mm-hmm. Why? How could one degree matter to anything else that's going on on this planet? What's up with that? So, uh, so really, that's a, that's a question of, of of how things change on average, and how that gets translated into things that we think of more as weather. Um, and that's a that's a great question. But first, tell us the difference between weather and climate. Just just spend right. a minute. The so, so yeah, so so weather. I mean, you know, it's it's what's happening today. It's my, what, what's happening next week. It's changeable. It's kind of chaotic. Um, and and climate is really the average of of all of that. Over you know, averaged over many years and looking at the statistics over many years. Um, and uh, there there isn't. Uh, it's 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 not it's not totally obvious how these things um, uh, connect, uh, but we now have a large enough climate change signal that we're starting to see how those things connect. So so let me give you some some of the pathways by which the, these connections happen, right? So as the planet gets warmer, right, it's warmed more than a degree Celsius, so it's almost two degrees Fahrenheit uh, at this point in the last hundred years or so. Uh, the amount of water vapor in the atmosphere increases right so so it turns out that uh, uh, you increase the uh, the water vapor by about 10% with that amount of temperature change right so so there's now 10% more water in the air than there used to be and if you think about storms and if you think about rain systems, uh, what you're doing there is you're gathering up a lot of quite moist air you're pushing it up and then it all rains out and if there's more water in the air, water vapor in the air, when you squeeze it all together and you push it up, it comes out and it comes out more and stronger. And so what we've seen over over the last... By the way, that's just what Floridians want. They want more humid air. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, so it is getting more humid. I mean, you can can track that in the the weather statistics in Miami uh, Mm -hmm. as well. Um, But yeah, so so you have more humid air and you have more intense rainfall. And you can see that uh, happening, uh, not just uh, associated with big storm events like like hurricanes, uh, but you 
you can see it more generally uh, when you have a front coming through, uh, you know, kind of from the Pacific side to, to the Atlantic side. Uh, you can see that the that the statistics of rain are pushing us towards more intense rainfall. And we discussed it earlier, you know, the, the temperatures themselves uh, in the ocean are leading to uh, more intense uh, storms in the uh, in the Atlantic because the heat uh, of the water is is really the the fuel that drives uh, the hurricanes and so we're seeing more intense uh, hurricanes uh, happening because of those temperatures as well. Wait, Gavin, if it's if it's one degree on average, that means in some places it'll be much more than that. Right. So uh, right. so the places that are warming the most actually are in the high latitudes in in the um, uh, in the Arctic. It's warmed you know three four some places five degrees. Uh, Celsius. Just, in, just in where Russia. we need it. Uh, yeah, no, not really. No. <laughs> uh, but we're seeing, but we're seeing quite clear warming in the uh, in the tropical uh, tropical Atlantic. Uh, that's one of the places where most of the hurricanes start off, and so so that's kind of juicing them up a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, if the temperatures are warming and you know and weather is that kind of noise on top of that, you're going to see more heat waves. You know, more days over 90 degrees, more days over 100 degrees, and uh, and you can see that happening. Uh, it, you know, all around uh, all around the world. You know, from Australia through to uh, to the US, to Europe, to Japan, to Asia. Uh, you know, we had um, you know massive heat waves in in, uh, in Siberia last summer. Uh, you know, Siberia, not a warm place, but they had like a hundred degrees above the Arctic Circle. That's not usual, right? Um, in fact, it may even be unique. A new new vacation spot. A new vacation spot, Siberia. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, well, lots of uh, sunny lots Siberia. Of probably there. Hot yes. Siberia. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we only have a few minutes left. Let's see if we can get a few uh, squeezed in there. And Gavin, this is going to be a lightning round. Go so ahead. real quick, give me sound your best soundbite answer. Go, Chuck. Uh, this is for, uh, well, we're going to switch gears here because um, this is from Carlos B. And Tyler B., I don't know if they're related, uh, Pines Middle School and Pioneer Middle School, respectively, grade seven and six. All right. Um, what got you interested in being an astrophysicist, planetary scientist, author, and science communicator? That's for both of you. Thanks for asking about being a comedian there, Tyler. I mean, uh, Carlos. <laughs> Pre appreciate that, Carlos. Um, and then Tyler B. says, what inspired you to do what you do? So what got you interested in the specific work that you do? And what made you go to science in the first place? I don't know how soundbiteable this is, so we're probably going to have to end on these questions. So, Gavin, why don't you go? Um, for me, I, I, I started with mathematics, and uh, and it was the joy of just like kind of solving things and uh, and solving puzzles, and then uh, and then I got into things that actually meant things to people, and I realized that you could solve problems that people would appreciate and that they would care about. And the more that I've done, and the more that people care, and the more I'm able to talk to people uh, about these things, uh, the more excited and the more interested I got in the science that I was doing. So you got good feedback on your ambitions. Yeah, that's very important there. Because <laughs> not, not everyone, if you, if you like math and then you, you have a peer group that says, you like math, you, what do you, you know, I, that could turn a lot of people right. off if they still want to sort of hang out with the cool kids. And by the way, if that happens to you, anyone listening, uh, they're just jealous <laughs> that you're good at math. <laughs> don't, don't fall for it. <laughs> Now, and Chuck, is it true that when when you were a kid, if you're if you're cracking up in class, the teacher says, "You, if you keep this up, you'll only amount to be a being a comedian." Or Absolutely, yeah. I'm, uh, I've had that said to me. Like, what do you think you are, a comedian? I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for me, I my my, my profile is, is is well known. I think because it's written. I've written about it and spoken about it. I was nine years old and a first trip to my local planetarium, the Hayden Planetarium. And in fact, when I sign off this show, uh, my tagline is "Keep looking up." That was a famous tagline uh, who was called the Star Hustler from the Miami Planetarium for many, many years. Um, 
And he, he was the head of the planetarium, and he had a, a show, on a, a short bit on PBS, giving sort of that week's night sky. And um, what was his name? Jack, uh, I remembered in a minute. And so he signed off, uh, but th he died several years back, and I say, somebody's got to carry that forward. So I, I, I carry his legacy. Whenever I sign off, I say, keep looking up. So planetariums were, can be a tremendous force of influence on people's uh, ability, uh, interest in looking up, but also uh, astrophysics, just the universe in general, is a gateway science. It's a gateway science because if you're interested in that, then you find out, oh my gosh, I need to, there's biology there. There's engineering that make the, the satellites. There's, there's, uh, there's physics, there's chemistry. And so uh, you, you come for the universe and you stay for the whole rest of that smorgasbord of science. And I looked up at the night sky in the planetarium and I said, oh my gosh, the, the, the limitless discovery that awaits us is what attracted me. And to communicate science, I agree with Gavin here. If you tell somebody something and they like it and they want more, that's kind of, that's reinforcing. And then you find something else to tell them that's really cool and interesting about your field. And as Carl Sagan once said, when you're in love, you want to tell the world. So I think we got to call it quits there. Oh my gosh, this was fun. And this is, this is our Cosmic Queries format. And I'm delighted that we got asked by the Broward County School System to bring our Cosmic Queries format into your universe because that's what we do and it's what we love to do. And, and Gavin, always great to have you on Star Talk. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, and we got to make sure that, uh, that the President of the United States will have your ear along with the head of NASA. And so if stuff doesn't go right, we'll blame you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's, that's totally fair. And, and, and Chuck, it's always good to have you. Thanks for... Uh, bring us a force of levity into this world because sometimes we need it. Otherwise, we'll just cry. <laughs> it, it's always a pleasure. I'm just saying. And let me end by, by declaring that I don't know in the history of the world if there's ever been a community of adults who, upon looking at the next generation, said, I can't wait till you all take over to fix this stuff. <laughs> take a look at what adults have said about the next generation for the past 4,000 years. And we've always worried about what the next generation would be and do. But maybe for the first time, the opposite is the case. So you all hurry up, get older, and gain the power we need to fix this world. Save us, children! <laughs> I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.